Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young. We blew through this yesterday nice and quick. Today should be a little longer. A lot more baseball happened, although not a ton of news on Friday, but We'll jump right into it. After pulling up a running out of grounder yesterday, Edmundo Sosa did hit the IL today. Yairo Munoz joins the Phillies to replace him. Just really unfortunate timing for Sosa that will nearly end his season and deny him any shot to grow his role for 2023. He was really starting to prove what he could do. Just won't get a lot more opportunity to do that this year. Twins got some good news and some bad news Friday. First, the good. Bailey Ober activated and got the start versus Cleveland. The bad. Kyle Garlick lost to the IL. Garlick has a left wrist sprain and is now out until really the final days of the season, if not longer. Jarrell Cotton was DFA'd to make room for Ober coming off the 60-day. Mark Contreras recalled to replace Garlick. Ober's return was all the Twins could have hoped for. Five shutout innings, one hit, one walk, five strikeouts. What came after that was less good for them, but I'll happily start Ober at Kansas City next. Justin Verlander also back, rejoining the Astros rotation, and, well, he is still Justin Verlander. Only five innings as he was on a pitch count, but nine strikeouts, one walk, no hits, no runs. This guy, just he just isn't human. Seth Martinez, option to make room. Ozzie Albies finally back from his long absence and in the Atlanta lineup. This is likely bad news for Vaughn Grissom and possibly William Contreras as well. Grissom won't play much second base, and anywhere else he plays, whether that's the outfielder getting time at DH, will push other people around and possibly eat into Contreras' time. At least for Friday, Albies played second base and hit eighth, going one for four with a double and a couple RBIs, while Grissom stayed on the bench, and Contreras was hitting sixth as the DH. Contreras, three for four with a home run, couple runs, couple RBIs. Don't really see how you can bench him, and they're not going to bench Albies, so Grissom just may not play very much. Araldis Chapman activated as planned with Ryan Weber DFA to make room. Friday night, however, he did not pitch. A whole slew of updates from the Cubs. Nico Horner had an MRI in his triceps. It's discussing next steps. By now, he probably knows more than we do, so hopefully we get another update today. Wilson Contreras has progressed to light agility work, which is progress, but doesn't leave me feeling like I want to count on him again this year, at least not for more than a few games. Keegan Thompson made a rehab start with AAA Iowa on Friday, which means he could be back soon. In that start, he went just two and a third innings, giving up a run on a hit and a walk while striking out four. Good progress, but probably needs at least another start to build up, maybe two more. Hayden Wisniewski will join the Cubs rotation first, though. He gets his first Major League start today. He's looked good in two relief appearances so far, and I don't think there's anything wrong with slotting him in to face the Rockies at Wrigley. Finally, Seiya Suzuki was out Friday, but x-rays on his hand were negative, and he was able to enter the game as a defensive replacement late. 
It's a good sign. He's been excellent down the stretch. Lamont Wade scratched Friday with side tightness and replaced by Luis Gonzalez. Wade needs to get back in the lineup and try to recapture some of what he had going last year as his role for the future is not obvious. Drew Waters also scratched. That was due to a sore ankle. He fell on the bases late Thursday night, but seemed to be okay before the game Friday, so maybe this is just a one-night precautionary thing. Finally, the Angels are mercifully going to put David Fletcher on the 10-day IL. Go find a video posted by at Jeff Fletcher OCR on Twitter last night. That video shows what Fletcher's swing has looked like with his injured hand. He's been dealing with that hand for a while, basically playing without being able to swing a bat. It's been at least a few days, and this is long overdue. He'll get a much-needed break. On the field, if you're in head-to-head playoffs, I just sure hope you're not facing Jordan Alvarez. Four for four Friday with not one, not two, but three home runs. The only saving grace if you are facing him is that the home runs are all solo shots. Could have been worse, I guess. Matt Chapman has cooled off since his homer binge early in the summer, but Friday was three for four with a pair of home runs, three runs, three RBIs. 238 average isn't helping, but the power has some value and the lineup helps a ton. Continuing to look at guys with a couple of home runs, if I told you that not one but two players in the Mariners-Angels game had a pair of home runs, you'd guess maybe Trout and J-Rod, Otani and Suarez. Nope, Carlos Santana and Luis Renjifo. Santana two for four with a walk, driving in three and scoring two, while Renjifo was three for five, driving in four and scoring three. First base is deep enough that Santana might not matter much for fantasy, but Renjifo is an interesting option if you're struggling for depth in the infield. If I told you that two players in the Padres' D-backs game had a pair of homers each, you would guess, well, you might actually guess this one right. Brandon Drury and Christian Walker both have been excellent fantasy players, both continue to be excellent fantasy players, both scored two and drove in three in their two homer nights. Only one of them got any help, though. The Padres also got homers from Hassan Kim and Austin Nola, plus a two-hit three-RBI night from Juan Soto. Kim, by the way, had a three-hit day and a combo meal, stealing his 10th base. Nate Lowe hit his 25th home run in the year, driving in a couple of runs. He's had a great season. In the second half, he's been even better than the first. Somehow, he's available in 7% of CBS leagues, 14% of Yahoo leagues, and 19% of ESPN leagues. Go fix that. Elvis Andrews remains on fire, going three for five with a run and his 11th stolen base Friday. Still think the bottom falls out sooner rather than later, but until it does, why not roll with it? This hasn't been the season many expected from Tyler O'Neill, but he's finding ways to create fantasy value. Friday 0 for 1, but walked twice and stole two bases and scored a run. He now has 14 on the year. Along those same lines, Cody Bellinger now has 14 stolen bases as he stole a pair on Friday, 1 for 3 with a walk, two runs, and an RBI. Those two both need to find a way to get right for 2023. Their draft values shouldn't be too high, but I'm still not sure I'm going to want a piece of them. Other home runs on Friday. Zach McKinstry hit his fourth. Ryan McMahon is 17th. George Springer hit his 21st. Lewin Diaz hit his third. Joey Manessis with an inside-the-park job for his ninth. Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson both had one for the Orioles. Get used to that. O'Neill Cruz hit his 16th. He gets some detailed chatter on the Keeper Cup podcast this coming Monday. Daniel Vogelbach hit his 17th. Jake Cave hit his 4th. Jonathan Scope pushed himself to double figures. Jeremy Pena hit his 18th. Willie Adamas hit his 29th. Josh Donaldson hit his 14th. Kyle Farmer his 12th. Albert Pujols got number 19. That's also number 698 for his career as he marches ever closer to 700. Julio Rodriguez marched closer to 30-30. He hit his 27th home run. Ty France got his 19th. As for stolen bases... Joey Wendell stole his 12th. He also had three hits, but no runs or RBIs. 
Bo Bichette swiped his 11th. Nate Eaton stole his 6th. Interesting note as the weekend series kicks off, the Mets stole three bases off the Pirates. Brandon Nimmo is 2nd, Francisco Lindor is 16th, and Terrence Gore is 2nd. They clearly intend to run. Richie Palacios nabbed his 2nd for Cleveland. Javi Baez took his ninth. Ramon Laureano stole his 11th. Matt Dice stole his 1st. Jake Cronenworth took his 3rd. Jose Azucar stole his 5th. Joey Gallo stole his 3rd. And Trey Turner is now up to 25. Lots of interesting pitching performances, but the place to start is Matt Manning. The White Sox came in white hot, and Manning threw seven shutout innings. He walked none, allowed just three hits, struck out five. He's starting to show the talent that made him a top prospect, and with a start coming up in Baltimore, which is suddenly a pitcher's park, he's an interesting option this week. Nice start for Blake Snell, who, other than giving up one of those Christian Walker home runs, was pretty great. One run, four hits, seven innings. Didn't walk a batter and struck out seven. He is going to be very high in my rankings for 2023. After some struggles, Dustin May got right against San Francisco, going five innings without allowing a run or a hit, walking one and striking out four. His velocity was up, and he may be rounding back into form as he's still continuing his return from a long absence, and he's doing it just as the postseason is upon us. He gets the D-backs next, and I'm good with that, but don't expect him to go deep, which means quality starts are unlikely and wins may be hard to come by. Another strong start from Michael Walker going seven innings against the Royals, allowing a run on seven hits without a walk, though just four strikeouts. Walker gets Cincinnati next and appears lined up to miss Yankee Stadium, which is pretty nice. Jesus Lazardo with a solid outing, allowing the Nats to only score twice in six innings, giving up five hits and a walk, striking out six. He's had a tough run lately in terms of opposition, so good break here and the Cubs are next, so you can safely use him there. Herman Marquez was more or less the streamer I hoped he'd be. He gave up just two runs over seven innings, allowing six hits and walking two. Struck out four. Would have preferred more K, but that's all pretty solid stuff. He's back home Wednesday before a likely road start against San Francisco. You can let him go until he's back on the road. Marcus Stroman was even better going a matching seven innings, giving up a run and three hits, two walks and five Ks. Plus, he got the win. Stroman continues to be low upside for fantasy, not a ton of Ks, and there won't be a ton of wins, but still a very good pitcher, and he can help you with your rates. Max Fried faced a strong Phillies team and turned in a nice start. Six innings, two runs, four hits, four strikeouts. If you want some warts, three walks and two home runs aren't great. Really, giving up three walks and two home runs and walking away with just two runs allowed is that's like a magic trick. Fried is a legit ace, though. Tristan McKenzie was solid, three runs not ideal, but over seven innings with seven hits, no walks, and eight strikeouts, you'll take that. Just too bad for him, the guards didn't score until late, so there was no W. Taiwan Walker with a good one, seven and a third innings, giving up just three runs, only two of which were earned, with five hits and zero walks, struck out five, strong showing, and the Mets have a nice schedule coming up too. Thought the Red Sox would get to Jonathan Heasley without a problem, and I was wrong. Six and two-thirds shutout, allowing just two hits. He walked three and struck out five, so it wasn't all pretty. Not enough to make me want to take a shot at him for sure. Plus, he didn't even get a win since his offense did nothing, and his bullpen blew the game, and those may be recurring issues. Mitch Keller, not great. Three earned runs over six innings with a whip over one. He did get a quality start, and he did strike out six over six against a tough Mets offense. It's actually a pretty good sign moving forward. He gets the Cubs next thanks to some fortunate scheduling, and he's a streamer option there. Ranger Suarez kept Atlanta from doing much damage, just a run and two hits over six, but he walked three and struck out just four. He's got a rematch with Atlanta next, and I don't love it. I'd rather find some other options. 
doubly disappointing starts in Tampa as Martin Perez gave up three runs on nine hits and a walk over just five and a third with three strikeouts. Corey Kluber gave up four runs on nine hits over five and two thirds with six strikeouts. For Perez, this doesn't change much. Despite his performance this despite his performance this year, he's always been risky and nights like Friday are bound to happen. That said, I'll still use him when it makes sense. But for Kluber, I'm ready to start making some cuts. Jack Flaherty trying to refine something in the lost season. Gave up four runs on six hits over five on Friday, striking out five and walking two. Velocity and spin were up. He managed 11 whiffs on 91 pitches, so some positive signs, but his last couple starts make it hard to trust him, especially given those were against weak opposition. I'm focused on 2023 for him for now. Lucas Giolito finally had a decent start, but only lasted four and a third innings as he threw 96 pitches without getting out of the fifth, walked three, struck out five, gave up a run on four hits. I just don't trust him regardless of matchup. It might be time to just bail on Frankie Montas this kills me to say. In redraft, I think I would just cut him. In a keeper, I mean, hopefully you can avoid starting him so you can sit on him for the offseason. Four runs, four hits, four walks over three and a third on Friday, striking out just two. Velocity was down a tick on his four-seamer and sinker. Spin was up on his splitter, which I don't think is a good thing. And he had just six whiffs and a 19% CSW. He gets Boston next. And do you want to mess with that? Not great from Robbie Ray, five innings, five runs, eight hits, five Ks and a walk. His velocity was down and the whiffs just weren't there. Control's still solid, which is good, but this was not a great one. Good news, he gets Oakland next. I would still put him out there for that despite this. Lastly, not great from Logan Webb either, but it was against the Dodgers. Four runs, seven hits, two walks, four innings pitch, just two strikeouts. Dodgers will do that to you sometimes. The challenge is he gets cores next. You just want to skip that, but the following week, he may line up for two starts, the Rockies and the D-backs both in San Francisco. That would be nice. Looking at the bullpens, Kyle Finnegan with his ninth save for the Nats after they came back from down 4 nothing. Manuel Rodriguez got his second save of the year for the Cubs. They went to him after Brandon Hughes got the eighth. Hughes faced the Rockies 1-2-3 hitters. He was basically being used as their relief ace rather than as a traditional closer. I mentioned that the Royals' bullpen didn't help out Jonathan Heasley. Well, that blown save technically went to Scott Barlow, who blew his fourth, but the runs charged to Dylan Coleman, who got just one out and walked two, both of whom scored after Barlow allowed a hit and two walks of his own. Beneficiary was Matt Strom, who got his fourth save for Boston. Second half of the season, Boston has gotten saves from Strom, Garrett Whitlock, John Triber, Matt Barnes, and Tanner Houck. None of them has saved more than two in a row. Bullpen is just a mess, and, and I probably need to divest myself of it in saves leagues. Edwin Diaz went one and two-thirds for his 30th save, striking out two and walking one. He threw just 17 pitches, so despite going multiple innings, he might be available tonight, but if not, Adam Adovino probably gets the save chance. Jose Leclerc gave up a walk and a hit, but got a six save. He has a nice grasp of that job for now. That poor Twins bullpen, they just cannot figure out Cleveland this year, and Emilio Pagan wasn't even involved Friday. Caleb Thielbar started the seventh with an error that left him charged with two unearned runs in a third of an inning. Then Griffin Jacks blew the save that same inning, along a two-out, two-run single to Ahmed Rosario, and even Yohan Duran wasn't immune. He gave up back-to-back singles, then uncorked a wild pitch that allowed Ernie Clement to score all the way from second with what would prove to be the winning run. That handed Duran his fourth loss. Emmanuel Classe took the ninth and allowed a hit, but no more and got his 36th save. The Sox and Tigers had a number of key relievers pitch. 
Joe Amenez took the eighth and blew a save for the Tigers, giving up two runs and three hits. Gregory Soto followed with a perfect ninth to help force extras. And then Liam Hendricks allowed the ghost runner to score the walk-off winner. The Sox had failed to score off Alex Lang in the top of the 10th. That gave Lang his fifth win. Sir Anthony Dominguez was lit up for five runs on three hits and two walks in two-thirds of an inning as Atlanta turned a 2-1 deficit into a 7-2 win in the eighth on Friday. That gave Jesse Chavez his fourth win. He faced just one hitter to get that win. Rizal Iglesias closed it out in a non-save situation. The Brewers turned to Devin Williams in the eighth with the game tied, asking him to face Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Glaber Torres. He did it beautifully, struck out two in a perfect inning. Then Milwaukee took the lead and asked Taylor Rogers to lock down the save. Instead, he gave up the tying home run to Donaldson. That is his ninth blown save on the year. He did end up with his fourth win as the Brewers walked off Clay Holmes in the ninth. Williams clearly the first choice in Milwaukee, even if that doesn't always mean getting the ninth inning. Michael Lorenzen did just enough to get a win, and his bullpen did just enough to hold it. He gave up three over five. They gave up four more over the next four. Ryan Tepera, who got his third save, did allow a run in locking that one down. That is just a bad, bad bullpen. Lastly, Ryan Helsley got his 18th save, and he did it in style, throwing an immaculate inning to close out the Reds. Let's take a quick break before we turn our attention to Saturday. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. Welcome back. Let's take a quick look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Well, as we finish up the MLB season, we continue to see some really good weather across the country. I don't see any threats with postponements or delays. So whoever you got for your DFS or uh, season-long playoff lineups, go ahead and play any one you got. Thank you very much and have a good one. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for a streamer for today's games, Louis Varland has been good so far. Cleveland doesn't hit a whole lot. He is facing Shane Bieber, and his pen isn't great, so there's some win risk here, but it's also going to be a doubleheader lineup facing him. I also mentioned earlier that Hayden Wesneski is getting a start against the Rockies in Wrigley, and I think that's a nice play too. If you're looking for offenses, give me the Jays teeing off on Kyle Bradish in Houston, knocking around Cole Irvin. I'd also look at the cards who have a doubleheader with Homer-prone Hunter Green and Mike Miner's 5.78 ERA. Hope you have a good start to your weekend, and you'll be back to join us tomorrow morning for another first pitch. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.